Go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today at Journey. If you're watching us online from wherever you might be right now, thanks for being with us for our 930 service. If you have your Bibles, we are in Luke chapter 16. That's where our Bible study time is going to be today. Luke chapter 16. Grab your Bible study materials out of your bulletin so that you can follow along or fire up your Journey Church International app so that you can kind of connect and keep your notes that way. We are in the final week, the 12th week of 12 in a series we've been in all summer long called The Parables of Jesus. We've been following Jesus around Israel, and we've just been listening to him tell stories. If you haven't been here, I'll tell you what a parable is. If you have this the last time, you're going to hear it. We've said it every week now for 12 weeks. The word parable is a Greek word made up of two Greek words, parabalo, that means to throw or to lay or place beside for purpose of comparison. A parable is comparing two things. Jesus taught in parables because parables were earthly stories that had this deep, spiritual, heavenly meeting for the listeners. Jesus didn't always say, open your Bible and turn to and start teaching verse by verse through scriptures. Often he said, hey, you've heard about farmers and you've heard about coaches and you've heard about fishermen and you've heard about businessmen. And he would tell stories that people were familiar with and say, now, from that... Let's learn some really key spiritual truths. That's what we've been doing all summer long. Last week, we were in the parable of the two sons. We learned what it looks like to give lip service, but not life service. We realize no matter how many times in our life we've said no to God, we can always change our mind and say, say yes. And today, we're in the parable of what is called the shrewd manager. We're going to get to the end of today's parable and think, unless you can teach that to me, that might be the most maybe unethical spiritual truth that I've, that I've ever heard. It's an interesting parable without context. But the key question, I'm, I'm gonna give you the invitation at the beginning of the message. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to pray for. Like our closing prayer is going to be this question today. Here is the key question. Are you using your life to impact people spiritually? I just want you to, I, I want you to hear the end at the beginning. This whole message is trying to answer this question. Are you impacting people with your life spiritually do you want to impact people with your life spiritually? That, that is, if we can answer that question and learn how to do that, then we have won today. Every time we read God's word, we believe it's from heaven. So we stop hopefully listening to the pastor and we start listening to God. So I always ask you to, to make a kind of a spiritual break in your heart to pray, to ask God to start speaking to you. So as we get, dig into Luke 16, would you hear? And even if you're watching online, just bow your heads. Would you take a deep breath and clear the clutter of yesterday and the to-do list of tomorrow? And would you just whisper a prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to you today? Tell him you want to hear from him. Ask him to show you how your life can impact people for eternity. God, that's our prayer. We want to hear from you today. No one's here to hear from me. Show us how our lives can impact people for eternity. Please show us that and then let us go do it. I see things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Luke chapter 16, we'll read verses one through nine. It says this, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what, sh- what, what shall I do now? What am I going to do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm too ashamed to beg. 
I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Listen, this parable out of context is really dangerous. It's really problematic because it appears to be telling you to buy friends for yourself and maybe try to buy friends for yourself so that somehow things in eternity will be different. This parable out of context is extremely problematic. But this parable in context is extremely powerful because this is what Jesus is saying. Leverage everything in your life to help your friends get to eternity. That's the message of this parable. Leverage everything in your life with everything you have leverage it to help your friends get to eternity. We have to understand the context because when we do, there are some powerful, powerful lessons. Two goals today as we try to answer this question. Are you using your life to impact people spiritually? Here's my two goals. Number one, that you would see, clearly see the position that God has placed you in, in life. That you would forever, starting tomorrow morning, look around at things and think, God put me here for a reason. And then number two, that you would change your perspective on how to leverage your position for God's purposes, that you would walk into work tomorrow and think, okay, if God put me here for a very specific purpose, what is it? And you would begin every day to try to figure that out and use it, that you would leverage your life so that all of your friends, the position that you're in in life, so that everyone may one day have eternity like you have eternity. You say, how are we gonna accomplish those goals? We're gonna ask two questions, pretty simple questions that allow us to dig into a simple story and find some biblical truth. What's this parable and what is the point of it? What's this parable, what's the story and what's, what's the point of it? Question number one, what is this parable? A parable is a comparison. It's a story, but it's a story that's intentionally trying to compare two things. Today's parable lays two things side by side and says, when you hear this story, this is what you can learn spiritually. This is an unspiritual story. It's got a lot of great spiritual lessons. We're gonna learn letter A, how a shrewd manager and selfish people work well together in this world. We're gonna learn, if you look at the title of today's Bible study, most people are looking out for number one and if you can figure out how to help them do that, you'll have an audience with them. We're going to learn how the shrewd manager, by looking out for himself and helping other people look out for themselves, how they work really well in this world. But then we're going to go beyond that spiritually, and we're going to learn letter B. We're going to look at that story and say, if that is how people work, we're going to learn how Christians can become and should become smarter in working with people for eternity. Today really is a lesson in anthropology. It's a, le- it's a lesson in people. We are learning how people work. And Jesus said, learn how the world works Because if you learn how the world works, you can have lots of eternal impact. As we look at this story about the shrewd businessman, we see three things that he did in a really unethical way that if we can do them ethically, might build us eternal friends. What are those? Number one, serving people builds powerful relational bonds. We look at the life of this shrewd manager and we learn from him that when you serve people, 
It builds your relationship with him. Look at verse one of Luke chapter 16, and then let's try to go back in our heads and, and see this 2,000 years ago, okay? Luke 16, one says this. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager, if you have your pen, circle the word manager. It's a key word. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. For the purpose of drawing a picture today that some of us can see, we're going to name this manager Carson. I don't think that was his name, but it's going to help those of you who have ever watched an episode of Downton Abbey see the picture a little better. Several years ago, my wife came to me and said, there's this show on PBS called Downton Abbey that everyone is watching. Um, will you watch it with me? I said, what is it about? She says, like, a, like an old-time soap opera about this like really wealthy family in England. Starts the day the Titanic sinks, goes through World War II. I said, I'm not interested in the soap opera part, but I love history. So y'all yeah, watch it. And we kind of binged watch all the episodes of Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey was this massive estate in southern England that this real aristocratic, aristocratic family lived, lived on. And Carson was the butler. He was the steward. He was the manager. He was this Greek word. He didn't own anything in the household. He wasn't even a part of the family, but he took care of everything. He took care of all the servants. He took care of all the food. He took care of all the family. He wasn't family, but the family would do whatever he said. This is the picture of a manager in ancient history. It was someone who controlled everything. They didn't own anything, but they controlled everything. So in our story, we've got this rich guy who lives in Downton Bethlehem or Downton Galilee or Downton Nazareth. They're like, picture the biggest state in Israel 2,000 years ago. And he's got a Carson. He's got a guy who takes care of everything for him. Rich, the rich people those days would travel back and forth to hang out with other rich people. And this guy would, would take the resources of the estate and he would run it all. And he gets back and realizes he's skimming from the top. And he goes to him and says, I found out you're stealing. You're, you're gonna lose your job. This is not going to work. And when the manager found out what was happening, watch what he did. And here's what I mean. Watch what he did. Look very, very closely at how he responded, because here's what Jesus is going to tell us. He's going to tell us to look past the selfish motives to see the smart life choices of this manager. It's a manager stealing from his owner. His owner comes in and says, you're going to lose your job. Jesus says, watch what he did next because some of the principles that he used while unethical, we can use those to influence people spiritually. And what are those principles? That if you will serve people where they have a need, you can, you can gain a relationship with them. The owner found out he was wasting money, told him he was going to be fired. And the owner basically said, what, what, what am I going to do now? I'm going to, need, I'm going to need some other friends. This manager was probably born into this household. His mom and dad probably worked for the former owner's mom and dad. So he'd never worked for anyone else or known anyone else's whole life. And he said, manual labor is not going to be good for me. I don't want to dig a hole. It'll mess up my tuxedo. If you can picture Carson, um, I don't want to beg. That would be too embarrassing. What I'm good at is kind of helping rich people with their stuff. So what other rich people do I know who have stuff? And he thinks, I got it. The guy who owns all the oil presses. I know him. He, he knows me. As a matter of fact, he owes me money. So he calls him and says, how much do you owe me? He said, right now I'm kind of in the hole, 900 gallons of olive oil. He says, you know what? Just cut it in half. You and I, we're close. Just cut, let me serve you right now. Just cut it in half. He called the wheat guy. Hey, wheat guy, where are we right now on our balance sheet? He says, I'm a little behind. I owe you a thousand bushels of wheat. And he says, you know what? Between you and I, we're friends. Just make it 800. And he tried to gain as many friends as he could by helping meet needs that these people had. Unethically, yes. But he understood the principle that if you will serve people when they have a need and you will help them, 
you can gain a relationship with them. The shrewd manager was thinking, I'm going to help them with something they need help with. That then will give me influence for the thing that is important to me. What can we learn from this shrewd manager? People I hope to gain influence with are people I should serve. You see, I have somebody spiritually I've been praying for. I really want them to see Jesus like I see Jesus. What is the first thing that I should do? Serve them. So I have, some, I have somebody at work that I'm struggling with. And, and they won't accept my new authority. I've been hired as their boss, but they don't want to accept my authority. How, how can I gain influence with them? Serve them. You say, this new neighbor moved in. And you know, we used to have these big block parties, and now this neighbor doesn't want any part of kind of what our old community used to do. What should I do with this neighbor? Serve them. People you want to gain influence with are people that you should serve because serving people builds powerful relational bonds. The shrewd manager did the right thing for the wrong reasons, but we can learn from him. The big idea of application for this message very specifically is who? Well, who should I, who should I begin serving? I understand serving builds relationship. That makes sense. When people help me, I, you know, it, it warms my heart to them. But who should I begin serving? Two groups, letter A, anybody you want to reach spiritually. Let's go beyond people you want to have influence with to people you want to have influence, spiritual influence with. How do I begin to open the heart of somebody who I want to reach spiritually? Begin to serve them. Anybody you want to have spiritual influence with, figure out ways to serve them. Serving opens hearts relationship. But more than that, for this specific parable, letter B, begin serving anybody within reach spiritually. Not just those you want to reach spiritually, but anyone within reach spiritually, because there are some people who need to be reached spiritually who nobody wants to reach. They're not on anyone's list. If every Christian in the world made a list of who do you want to reach, there are some people who would be on nobody's list of want to, but I promise you they are on somebody's list of within. So as Christians, we have to start looking around and realize, number two, that everybody has positional impact on somebody. We're going to learn from Luke 16 that serving people builds strong relationships. But then we're going to learn as we just follow this shrewd manager that everybody has positional impact on someone. You say, what do you mean by positional impact? Here's what I mean by that. The position that you are in in life has the ability to have impact in it. The job you work, the desk you sit at, the neighborhood that you live in, the parking place that is reserved for you. For those of you who are in school, your locker assignment this year, your assigned seat in math, the lunch table that you sit at, the team your kids play on, the the kids who are for some reason in your class this year for all the teachers who just stood up, those who ride your bus for the bus drivers who are here, those placed on your team for the coaches here. Everyone has positional impact. I mean this, you are in a position in life where God has surrounded you with people. You had no control of it or little control of it, but there's all these people who are within your spiritual reach. I'm looking at one of our car dealerships, the people who walk in to buy cars. Positional impact. Because of the position that I'm in, people just come to me, people are just around me. Everybody has positional impact. And those are the people we have to open our eyes to. Tomorrow we start 21 days of prayer as a church. I'm, I, I have been praying that you will join us, that you will set your alarm, that you will do the difficult work, that, that you will come and that you will pray with us. 
When you come tomorrow, we're going to give you two little prayer bands that we hope are kind of are the mantra of the next 21 days. They actually say things that no one can see but the person wearing them. They say two words, pray first. Pray first. Instead of writing them on the band, we just kind of indented those words into the band because they're not for your friends to ask about. They're just for you to see because we have to over the next 21 days, we pray, train a congregation who before they worry, prays. Before they text back, they pray. Before, before they get angry, they pray. Before they call back, they, they pray. Before they have their morning cup of coffee, they pray. That they just literally, their first response is to pray. We, we've got these for the guys, and then our ladies have always asked for, they're like, those are too big for us. Can you give us a, a little one? So we've got little ones for the ladies too. We'll, we'll be putting those on your wrist when you walk in the door tomorrow at 6 a.m. And then we're going to be handing you a prayer book that I've been working through and beginning to pray through. Um, so that we can teach you how to pray. Some of you are not going to come to 21 days of prayer because you don't know how to pray. My wife asked our kids yesterday, hey, will you guys come to day one, 6 to 7 a.m.? And Chris said, well, what are the hours again? And Danielle said, um, it's 6 to like 6.58 or 6.59. We will not let you out a minute late. And he said, I don't think I can pray for 58 minutes. I don't, like, I've never prayed that long. So I, hadn't, I hadn't thought that anyone might be thinking that way. It's like, well, it's not, we don't, you don't pray the whole time. There's a couple worship songs. There's a little devotional. There's 20 minutes of private prayer. And then we all gather and there'll be like 12 minutes of kind of corporate prayer where we're praying for things together that are all listed in this book. But there's a little guide at the beginning that will tell you how to pray for 20 minutes. It just gives you six or seven things to pray for. Be really easy to learn how to pray. But in the back of the book, we are asking people to pray for others in their life. And I realized as I was looking at the book this week, it goes with point two in my message. Everyone we're asking you to pray for is someone you see every day. Your family, your church, your teachers, your coaches, your coworkers, your neighbors, um, those you have close influence with. It's like the people we are asking you to pray prove, number two, it's these people that are in, that are in your life and you're not even sure why, but they just are. It's positional impact. Here's the truth that you need to learn from Luke chapter 16. Anybody within reach of a Christian is within reach spiritually. Can I get an amen? Like anyone within reach of a Christian, we should see is within reach spiritually. They don't have to know Jesus if you know Jesus and they know you. Anybody within reach of a Christian is within reach spiritually. So you say, who do I have positional impact over? Go download your last phone bill and highlight the phone number that you texted the most last month. They're within reach spiritually. Go to your work logs and download your call log from last year and highlight or last month and highlight the number of the person you talked to on the phone the most last month. They are within reach spiritually. Go look at your social media post and see who outside your family is tagged the most with you in social media. They are within reach spiritually. Go look at your work email. The people that you email with most often, they are within reach spiritually. You say they're in India. Doesn't matter. They're connected to you. They know you and you know Jesus. They're within reach spiritually. The people you sit by at all the games, the people you work with on a daily basis, students, the people you sit by in class. Let me say it another way. If, if somebody can physically touch you during the week, you can spiritually impact them for eternity. Like, do you get that? If somebody is close enough to pat you on the shoulder every day at work and say, how you doing? They are within reach of you spiritually. Because they know you. Understand and be aware of your positional impact. The shrewd manager realized his greatest opportunity for impact were the people he interacted with on a consistent basis. 
I can't dig. I don't want to beg. Who do I know? And he thought, of course, I work with these people every day. This is the short list of people that I have influence with. The, the people that I, because of my position, they know me, I know them. That is where I have to start. Everyone has positional impact on somebody. And then number three, this is another shift in perspective that maybe we need to get to. We learn from Luke 16 to live for tomorrow. I would go a step beyond and say live for eternity. We learn from Luke 16, live for tomorrow. I would say go a step further and live for eternity. Look at Luke 16 verse 4. Because in verse 4, the shrewd manager gives us this perspective that Jesus says Christians need. He thinks, you know what? I'm going to have to do something today that counts for tomorrow. I'm going to have to leverage today for tomorrow. I'm going to be in trouble. He says, I know what I'm going to do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing things today that matter tomorrow. I have to live for impact in my future. When I was in fifth grade, a movie came out that was pretty well known when I was in middle school and high school called Dead Poets Society starring Robin Williams. Some of you have seen it. I mean, it's a, it's a classic movie for those of us who were teenagers in the 90s. This group of kids that would get together and read and learn from and quote, um, old, you know, old dead poets, the Dead Poets Society. The, the kind of the famous scene in this movie is, you know, when Williams is being ushered out of the school and all students take a stand, oh, captain, my captain, they're quoting the Walt Whitman poem that they've been studying together. But even though kind of the, the, the pinnacle moment of the movie has this line, oh, captain, my captain, the line that came out of Dead Poets Society that has lasted now for 30 years is two words. They're Latin. I'll say the first, you can say the second, carpe diem, seize the day, carpe diem, seize the day. Really, that became a cultural thing because of this movie, Dead Poets Society. And that kind of is the American mentality. We live for today. Solomon said it this way when he was spiritually unhealthy. Let's just eat, drink, and have fun because we might die tomorrow. Live for today. Live for today. Live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about eternity. Just live for today. You might not even wake up tomorrow. And while there's some, there's some spiritual truth about having an impact every day, Jesus says we learn from the shrewd manager to live for tomorrow, to use today for tomorrow, to use today for eternity. See, the shrewd manager, he had to do something today that would actually matter tomorrow. Jesus said, man, what if Christians thought that way? What if Christians went to work every day thinking, here's what, here's, here's what I'll do today because tomorrow I want to have influence. Here's what I'll do today. Because I believe every student in my class one day will be in eternity. Here's what I'll use today because I live for tomorrow. I'll use today because I'm living for eternity. What if our lives were that way? What if our lives were more than carpe diem seize the day? What if our lives, if to put a cool Latin phrase on it, was carpe ad te, which means seize your purpose what if we didn't wake up every day seizing our day, but we seized our purpose and we realized as followers of purpose, our job was everyone we met to help them become disciples of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and just teaching them to obey who Jesus is. What if we would seize our purpose, carpe ate, and every day wake up thinking today is another day to serve people so I can have influence in their heart, to see everyone around me because God has put them there. And to do something today that matters tomorrow. To do something today that matters for eternity. This is, a, this is a great parable. Great truth in this crazy story about these unethical businessmen. 
Jesus said this shrewd manager with bad intentions, he becomes a good teacher if you're just looking for how to influence people. He says, look at these three things. What are the three things? Let's review this parable real quickly. Serve people because it builds powerful relational bonds. Have positional impact on someone. See where they are. Be where they are. Live for tomorrow. Live for eternity. You can see how the shrewd manager did these things. Let me ask you this question. Do you see how Jesus did these things? We see how they were done unethically. But do you see how Jesus did them in love? Serve people. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I came to give my life. Jesus said, I'm, I would love to tell you to follow me, but sometimes a, a picture that gets your attention of a shrewd businessman is a better way to teach it. You see how Jesus did number two? Everyone has positional impact on somebody. Philippians 2 said Jesus looked around heaven and says, I can't stay here if the work's on earth, so send me to be with them. I, I want to be where they are. Put me around them where they live. Because if I'm with them, I can impact them. You see how Jesus did number two and then number three. Live for tomorrow, live for eternity. As Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Jesus, God, my life is not about today. It's about my purpose. It's about your purpose. It's about eternity. So your, your will be done. Not mine, but your will be done. I think everyone, after reading Luke chapter 16, can say, okay, I see the shrewd businessman and I see Jesus. Question is, do you see yourself? The question isn't, do we see Jesus? The question is, do followers of Jesus look like this? Do followers of Jesus practice this? Are followers of Jesus having impact because they're trying to become that? That is the bigger question of today's parable. Great parable, great story, great lessons. Question is, are we doing it? You say, man, I want to. I'm not sure if I am, but I want to. How do I do that? Question two, let's answer it before we pray today. What's the point of this parable? There's three. Number one, learn how to hear hearts. Learn how to hear hearts. Listen to and learn how to hear hearts. I don't know if you noticed it, but everybody in this parable is looking out for themselves. Looking out for number one, right? The owner comes back, manager's cost any money, manager has to go, got to look out for number one. The manager knows he's going to lose his job and he's supposed to take care of his master stuff, but he's got to look out for number one. So he tries to go get another job. He talks to the, the guy that owes oil and the oil guy, olive oil guy doesn't say, well, that's not fair. He's looking out for number one. So he's like, that sounds good. Cut the bill. He goes to the weak guy. The weak guy's looking out for number one. So he's like, I cut the bill. Everyone's looking out for number one. So Jesus says, realize that everyone in the world is looking out for themselves and just try to see what their eyes are looking towards and serve them in that. Find their hurt, find their pain, find their questions, find their hopes. They're all looking out for themselves, so you look out for them too. And one day they'll look and they'll see that you're on the same team. Their heart will be open to you and you can begin to tell them who Jesus is. Everybody in this parable was looking out for themselves. Jesus said, embrace it, know it, utilize it, see what they're looking for, help them achieve it so you can win their heart to show them Jesus. But point number two, as you do that, you need to learn to know the answers to their questions. You need to learn to know the hope and the solutions to their problems. Know the answers. Learn the answers before the questions are asked. Last Sunday after church, I had lunch with 10 of our kids who just graduated high school and all started college this week or next week, who are interning at our church in a year of intensive discipleship and serving. Um, in exchange for that, over the next year, we're going to take them to Israel and really help them understand scripture and, and, and the Holy Land. They're going to get to serve in Guatemala as a part of one of our serve teams. 
they're going to get to go serve at youth camp, a year of intense discipleship and serving. Year two of our internship, if they choose to remain in it, will be a year of leadership training and equipping. We want to get kids ready to be the next generation of leaders in their churches. And as we were eating lunch last week, I said, one of the things we're going to do is all of you today have to preach a three-minute sermon. None of them came prepared. And I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me your favorite Bible verse. I want you to give me a story of why that Bible verse is impactful to you. And I want you to give away of how it could be impactful to somebody else. You have three minutes, a minute to tell me your verse, a minute to tell me a story about why that verse means something to you, and a minute to tell me how that verse can apply to anyone else. We're all going to preach our messages to each other. And then we're gonna, we're gonna, when you're done, you're going to stand on the stage and we're going to talk about how you did and what you learned. Go. And these kids blew me away with how scripture has begun to saturate their hearts and their lives. But after every one of the students got done saying, here's my favorite Bible verse, here's why that's so passionate in my life, and here's how I think that can help the world, I kept them up on the stage and I said, all right, let's stop. Now, all of you the next two weeks in college are going to experience a scenario or be asked a question that that is the answer to. So we know the answer. Let's come up with the questions and the scenarios. How does that three-minute answer answer an issue you're going to have in the first month of college? And we just walk through. Here's all these things that are going to happen. And now you know 10 answers with 10 verses, with 10 real-life stories, and 10 applications of it. Learn the answers, and you cannot help but see the questions. If you learn the answers, you cannot help but see the questions. Kids talking about anxiety. Kids talking about depression. Kids talking about gossip. Kids talking about hope. Kids talking about discouragement. Here's my favorite verse and why. And I said, do you think you're going to have a discussion with somebody who's feeling anxious about being in college the first month of college? Yes, I do. What he just said, tell them that. When they say I'm anxious, say what he said. That is the answer to the question. Learn the answers. Know the answers. And then number three, build eternal friends. Here's the, here's the weird verse, right? Luke 16, 9, build eternal friends. But look at this verse. Let's look at it in context. And then I'm going to show you a picture of the verse. And you're going to get it. I promise you, you'll get it. Go to Luke 16, 9, guys, if you would. Jesus wraps up this parable with this really weird verse. Out of context, really bad. In context, powerful. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it, if you have your Bible circle, it, when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. It points back to two words, world, wealth. Jesus says one day, everyone is leaving the world. Everyone is losing wealth. One day it all goes away. One day, world goes away, wealth goes away. But today we have it. So use it for eternity. Use everything in your life to build friends that will be with you in eternity. It's not about buying friends. It's actually about in investing in people in an eternal way so the investment can pay off. It might not be something you can understand in words, so let me give you a picture to illustrate it. Some of you have already seen this picture. Two weeks ago in Jerusalem, a Holocaust survivor by the name of Shoshana Ovitz celebrated her 104th birthday at the Western Wall. Did, any, did anyone read this story? Incredible story. Her entire family in her 20s died in the Holocaust. Her future husband's entire family died in the Holocaust. They meet in Israel and Haifa, where our ministry partner, those of you who have been in ministry to, to Israel with us, to our ministry partner, we've gone to church in Haifa. They meet in Haifa and they decide we're going we're gonna to start over. We're not going to let Hitler and the Holocaust, we're not, we're not going to let the, you know, the extermination of the Jews stop. We're going to rebuild. 
So they start over. And she just keeps living and living and living. Celebrated her 100th birthday, then her 101st and her 102nd. And she got this idea. She said, if I keep celebrating birthdays, my dream one day would be to celebrate my birthday at the Western Wall with every living ancestor, descendant, relative of mine so that I could see when Hitler tried to kill me and my impact on the world, it didn't stop. So for years, her family planned, if she gets to 104 from all over the world, our descendants' ancestors, we're, we're all gonna go pray together at the Western Wall. And two weeks ago, they showed up, more than 400 of them. Her relatives, descendants, ancestors from all over the world flew to Israel so they could pray with 104-year-old Shoshana Ovitz at the wall to say, your life mattered. Here's the picture. Here's the parable. One day you will celebrate your 104th birthday in heaven. You will have been in heaven 104 years. If on your 104th birthday in heaven, you sent out an invitation and said, I want everyone who is in heaven because I lived on earth to join me for my 104th birthday. How big's your party? That's, a bit, that's this parable. That is the picture of this parable. One day it will be your 104th year in heaven. And if you send out an invitation to everyone who's in heaven and you say, I'm celebrating my 104th year in heaven, everyone who's in heaven because I lived on earth, I want you to join me for my party. How many people are coming to your party? That's the parable. Sometimes you can hear a lot of words and it doesn't sink in, but one picture says, I think I need to, I think I need to send more invitations. I think I need to be more purposeful. I, I want my life to look like that spiritually. I, I want my eternal friends to look like that spiritually one day. Man, Christian, how do I, how do I, how do, I do it? Serve people. Builds relational bonds. Realize your positional impact. Just start looking around. You are where you are for a reason. We meet someone in scripture named Esther whose uncle told her that. God put you right where you are for a reason. And then live for tomorrow. Live for eternity. Hear the hearts of people that you want to reach. Learn the answers to their questions so that when they ask them, you are ready. And build eternal friends. Do it every day. Build eternal friends. If you will do that, maybe one day our party will look like this party. And you'll think, wow. Just being intentional every day. Wow. Had no idea it would make such a difference. Wow. It's a pretty good story from a pretty unethical guy. What Jesus knew how to, how to pull the truth out of everything. And today we've learned some powerful stuff. Would you pray with me as we consider it? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this room. But hearts are open. Before this service started, you asked God to speak to you. You told him you would listen. What did he say? What are you going to do about it? God, we want you to help us to live our lives to impact people spiritually. Help us to see very clearly the position that you've placed us in. Help us to change our perspective on how to leverage every moment for your purposes. God, if people are close enough to touch us physically this week, help us to impact them spiritually. If you're here and God has laid a person on your heart, as you've been listening to this message, you've been thinking of them. Would you pray for them right now? Because I think the only reason God told you to think about them is because they are thinking about him 
Nobody knows it yet, but God. And maybe they've been crying themselves to sleep, praying that somebody would love them, notice them, help them, serve them. If God's put them on your heart, maybe it's because he is on theirs. Maybe you are the answer to the question this week. If you're thinking of someone, pray for them. Ask God to show you how to serve them, love them, impact them this week. God, we love you. Use our lives for your impact and your kingdom in our city. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives every day, the way it would be done in heaven, because Jesus is in us and we are in the world. We love you. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name today. And everyone said, amen.